Welcome to the Radical Middle Podcast, where we embrace tension and talk about the things you wish your church talked about. I'm your host, Tommy Nixon. As always, I'm here with my man, Freddie Romero. Now today, what we're going to talk about this tension of how we read scripture and how we use it as a weapon to control people. Yeah. One of my favorite movies came out in 2010, stars Denzel Washington. It's All called right. The Book of Eli. Oh, yeah. And this centers around a post-apocalyptic world where everything's in ruin. We have no idea why the world looks the way it looks like. But this man, Eli, played by Denzel Washington, is trying to get this book all the way to San Francisco, I think. And in between, everybody wants to steal it, specifically this antagonist, because the book is the Bible. Hmm. It's the only remaining Bible in the whole world. And he wants it because over the course of history, he says, whoever controls the book has the power. That's it. And so... As much as Eli wants to just navigate through the world in peace to deliver this book so that it can be duplicated, he has to kill people on the way. So, of course, I love it, man. (laughs) It's so violent. But, (laughs) But, bro, like, is there a truth to that, that whoever controls the book controls the power? Well, I mean, uh, over the last three episodes that we've been doing, we've been kind of touching on this here and there, but and so I'm excited just to jump in and talk about it because it, it's really like, how do you take the narrative, the truth, right? And people weaponize that so that they can control. And so it becomes about power dynamics. And that's where you see this in the church in ways where people try to control the narrative. And so if you make it really simple, completely black and white, right? It's like you do this You don't do this. You only act this way. We do it this way. And that's where all the divisions come from. But the more that you can control that narrative, then then you can control people. And Mm -hmm. then you can uh, maintain institutional power. And then you can maintain uh, the movement. And and you see this, man. You saw the the Mars Hill podcast. You see the the Hillsong uh, documentary. And it's like, God did something. Things, Things exploded. Things got big. And then at some point... We have to try to control it. And that's what trips me out, man. Yeah, I mean, you, you've experienced this. Yo, I, I, I've been, you know, I saw the movie through the eyes of Tammy Faye. We were listening to all the oh, st- all, all the like Jim Baker stuff and all the, you know, televangelist stuff from the 60s, 70s and 80s. And in those movies, you see the fact that, you know, the, 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 the right wing needed Christians in order to turn the tables against the other party. Right. And so they had the power because they were able to control their segment, their congregations. Because back then, you know, like a couple of de- decades ago, you had a lot more people going to, to, to church you oh, know, yeah, than you absolutely. do today. Yeah. And so um, they got their cues from there was no social media. There was no YouTube. Their access to other information and other resources wasn't available to people 50, 50 years ago. And so uh, a huge influence over your life was whoever was preaching to you from the pulpit mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning. And you took your cues from, the, from them. These people are wrong. Don't vote for so-and-so. And they controlled the narrative. And I wonder how, like, because when you read the Bible, the Bible doesn't, again, specifically tell you who to vote for. Right, yeah. Or yeah. on what, or, or who to make an enemy out of. In fact, it doesn't tell you. It tells you the opposite. So, so it tells you to love, them. love yeah. your <laughs> enemies, right? And so... Man, one of the things that you said in episode four of the Radical Middle Show is like you're reading the Bible wrong. Yeah. And I think about how how can the American church for so many years be just duped by a narrative from certain pastors that, you know, we see we concede control over to them. 
Well, so here's what's crazy to me because this idea of power dynamics is when, you know, and I think a lot of times God does move, you know what I mean? And he blesses something and it grows or, you know, it grows big. And then there's this place that that's in all of us as humans to want to control. I, that's the whole thing. Like, did God really say that? I mean, that's in the garden, right? And so it's like, no, you take control of it. And that's something that we got to fight against. But this idea um, that we hold on to that power and then we'll do whatever it takes to maintain it. And then we add spiritual or religious language to it to mm. do that. Now, you can, you see this with um, white power structures, you know what I mean? And overall in our country, that's kind of what it's been, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's easy, I think, at least for a lot of us in this work and in our context, it's easy to point out. We're like, hey, I don't think this is of the kingdom of God. But there's this, also this other space where I think in our own many kingdoms, right, in our many empires, really, where we kind of try to maintain control. And we see this in, in ethnic churches as well, yeah, man. Yeah. Like it's And whether you want to you know, blame white supremacy or whatever it is, at the core of it, I think it's sinful nature. It's like this is... We try to control things. And yet, man, the most Christian thing you can do is to give away power. Mm. That's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. And so it's like our Savior gave away power, and we're all over here trying whatever little power we get. We're trying to hold on to it and, and maintain control. And I just go, actually, that's really unchristian. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, you know, sometimes it's 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 hard to fall in. I mean, it's it's hard to give it away because once you get a taste of it, yeah. I'll give you an example. Like I've always, you know, as, as I was listening to, like, for example, the Marcel podcast and all these other resources, um, you know, how they were using scripture to like present themselves as a father figure mm -hmm. to a lot of these people. And, you know, a lot of the congregants would call their pastor like father or dad or yeah. they'd, pay, they'd play a parental role. And as I was listening to this podcast, I was thinking of, of pastors that I know that create that culture oh, yeah. where everyone is not their brother and sister it's these are my children these are my spiritual children right, right. And, and they're using aspects of you know the epistles to be able to front that and as i was thinking about that i was thinking about man i was thinking about so and so so and so and so and so and one of the things in the podcast that they said was sometimes it's not it's not the pastor or the leader's fault sometimes people come from broken you know families yeah absolutely and they're looking for a father figure they're looking for, and sometimes a strong male, yeah. you know, figure in their lives. And then they say that. And I remember, bro, like I was listening to this. And then within two weeks, like I was having such a hard time, a hard time, with, you know, in my life. And I was just struggling with a few things. And one of my teams, like they knew they were praying for us. They started to affirm us. Mm -hmm. They started to affirm us. And one of the things that they said was, you know, and, and in, this, in this time in your life, Freddie, we're like your children. You're like our father. And that felt so good to hear in that moment because, yeah. you know, and I was thinking to myself, yeah, I can't be a father. You know what I'm saying? And it was like immediately I recognized how easy sometimes we could. I know what their intentions were. Yeah. They were good. They were affirming me. Absolutely. But it's so easy to like now take that and control people with it. Well, I mean, because they and you think about the family structure we come from and some are really healthy and some aren't. And for a lot of us, they weren't healthy, you know, and so. And then those get passed on and then you have spiritual abuse and then you have, so what starts off really well, you know what I mean? Then you, you almost can get addicted to it. Like, oh, they need me. Right. And well, now you've just replaced, you know, you with G Jesus with you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, 
And so I've seen it go sideways. Now, I'm not saying that there's not, there's total precedence within scripture, talk about spiritual children and, and he's like a father to me on those kind of things. But I think we have to be really careful about what, uh, what we're promising and, and also be honest about how like our own sinfulness in that and what we're saying we can be for people. Yeah. Because that's where it goes sideways, man. And, and honestly, then it's like, cause you ever been with your, you know, kids and, and it's like, they embarrass you out in, uh, you know, sometimes my kids, they, they'll embarrass me out and, um, public, right? Mm. Like they'll do something and you're like, oh, well, you have to re- realize like they're kids mm-hmm. and it's not about me, is it? Yeah. So, so then you have to be at a place with God and in your walk with him where you're so dialed in with Jesus that you're able to be like that all the time. Well, that's really hard to do. And then think about trying to do that with 10,000 people in your congregation or, I, I mean, I don't know. We set ourselves up to fail in that way. And I think we've seen that in uh, a bunch of different churches, right? Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it also plays out in different cultural spaces as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And theological, right? Because yeah. Well, which one do you want to talk about yeah, first? Yeah, I mean, you go ahead, bro. <laughs> you so. know, I would say like, you know, for Latinos, we have a history of that. I yeah. think for, you know, here at you know the church and, I, and a lot of our friends are, are dealing with this you know here in the united states where we have a lot a huge demographic is of, of latinos who only speak spanish but our spanish congregations aren't growing when we're trying to create healthy environments mm. and we notice that the churches that are like predominantly not all of them because i don't want to put everybody on a boat so like yeah. i'm not against mega churches but you know we have seen congregations that do grow where they're spanish speaking only that those pastors tend to be a lot like like almost dictators. Yeah. And 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 I I wonder like hey God you want me to grow this church, right? So maybe for my Spanish community, can I just be more of a dictator? Can I just tell people <laughs> what to do? Because and then you see it in Latin America, bro, where like, you know, now we're giving you know, we have a history in Venezuela, Chile, and Brazil where we give men power who are for the poor, who are for the marginalized, and we become in love with them and they never give up power. Right. In fact, as a Salvadorian, one of the best presidents right now is Nayib Bukele, and everybody loves him, but he's leaning towards his, what he's doing for the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everybody loves him right now. But hey, man, I've seen this movie before. This guy is going <laughs> to not want to leave. Movie. You know what I mean? Well, okay, so it's just, I am so glad you brought this up and you're teaching me right now because um, I, I started a multi-ethnic church, you know, seven years ago. I, I stepped down as a lead pastor a year ago. Um, and so I had, we got all the like young Latinos together and we're just like, hey, you know, like, how can we better serve you? Like, you know, or how come you haven't been showing up? And literally they were like, Tommy, I need you to tell me what to do. Yeah. And I'm like, but I don't want to, so I was reacting. I was trying to be a different type of pastor than what they had experienced in the past because what was ironic is I'm like, well, you didn't, you stopped going to that church, the Spanish speaking church, because, you know, the pastor was really like legalistic and yeah. he was kind of cheese maze on Sunday morning yes. and just, you know, it got weird. And I'm like, so I was trying not to be like that, but they're like, well, I want that. Right. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And, so it gets in a really weird space, it, right? It's 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 so weird that sometimes, like even like for example, now we have first generation Americans who are bilingual, and they'll come to our churches that don't look anything like their parents' churches right. that were full of legalism, but they come here and they look at the liberalism that we possess, <laughs> and they're mad at us because we're not more like that. And when you ask, you know, 
well, what's going on? They tell you it's like the same thing. I want to be told what to do. And I do think that it is a, con- it, we've been conditioned that way in a sense. And I think sometimes the responsibility is personal. We haven't yeah. taken the time to read scripture to know what is, how much do I, because is there a place for honor in honoring Absolutely. Is, but is there, a, is there a weird place of honor culture? Absolutely. absolutely. You know, a lot of times, you know, our brothers and sisters, you know, even in the Asian community, in the black community, in the Latino community, even sometimes in the white community, we won't leave a church that's not good for us because then we're disloyal to oh, leadership. Yeah. Right. And it is our loyalty. To, and we will bypass other opportunities for growth or healthier opportunities because we are so, you know, it's become such a possessive institution that we just won't leave for that sake. I know. And so what's crazy to me is that it's like, it's not good for anybody, but we maintain these systems because either that's what we've always done or something like, or it's honor or, you know, all these things. I had a friend uh, say they went to a church and they were installing new uh, elders. And literally the elders got up and said, um, we want you guys to know that first comes our pastor, then God. And I'll stop right there. Like you, you put the what? You put the pastors above God? Like and and that kind of like leader worship and and honor culture is so so dangerous. It's idolatry. And yet, should you honor your leaders? Like scripture talks about absolutely. But but I think there's a really crazy thing that we have to address um in spaces, you know, in in ethnic spaces and with leaders of color as well, but also obviously in in white spaces as well where I'm going Dude, the only reason we're keeping this thing alive is just to keep it alive because mm. we want to maintain a power base Bro. and we'll use spiritual language to manipulate you. Bro. And and this Bro. is what I was talking about earlier because we didn't get to talk about more a couple episodes ago. The church, that's why the church is built for immaturity. It's built so you only come in at a certain level and I got to keep you at that level because if you go past that, you're going to start asking questions. And if you start asking questions, we're going to have to change some things. And we have to change some things. I might have to let go of some of power and control. And yet, this is what trips me out. And you said you're Pentecostal, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Can, all right, I'm going to pick on the Pentecostal for a minute. Let's go. Bro, how is it that, that groups of Christians that love the Holy Spirit mm. can be the most controlling? Mm. When the Spirit blows where it will go, right? Mm. It, it'll, it, the Spirit is in control. It goes like... It's God. The spirit is, he's God, right? And yet I find in a lot of Pentecostal spaces where it's like, let the spirit do what the spirit's going to do. A lot of control. Like, well, I don't know if you've experienced I, No, yeah. it's, it's the misuse of the term of man of God. Yeah. Or, you know, or he's anointed, you know, oh, bro. there's, there's a mega church that um, we're not going to name, but <laughs> they, they, they make you sign like an NDA, right? A non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. If you're going to serve. And in their like bylaws or like the code of ethics, one of the like the second line says, and we will stop at nothing to honor and make true the vision God gave Pastor XYZ. No, I think I know what you're talking about. Oh, so, uh, and <laughs> there might be coloring pages, and, but anyway, <laughs> bro. So ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. So like it is, it is crazy how you know they will use. Hey, God gave the pastor a vision. Yeah. He only gave it to him. God gave the pastor a word. He only gave it to him. Yeah. You know, the pastor is anointing. Only he has the anointing. And it is this idea, Tommy, that has suppressed people in the church 
Yeah. And we don't want to let go of this power dynamic. Well, and so here's the other side of this too. I don't want to just demonize the pastor, the, the main person. Right. Because we're allowing them to do that one. We're not loving them enough to go, mm, no, that's not a good idea. But but also we're not challenging how deep do we want to go? Because we have to be honest about our complicity in, in, in saying like, well, this is what we said we wanted. We yeah. wanted... Coffee, we want to make sure I could have my coffee, sit in a nice comfy seat. My kids are in, you know, uh, you know, they're taken care of and someone's dealing with their morals. And like, we like outsource our own discipleship and work that we need to do to an institution. And so we were a part of creating the issue, right? Yeah, we're feeding the beast. We, we are. And so I just think we all have to confront ourselves. Me too, guys. Like I have to confront my own hypocrisy and go, how radical am I actually about Jesus? And that's why we're having these conversations because it's like we have to press ourselves on how radical we're following Jesus and does all the stuff that we've built fit. Mm. And, and you should be able to ask questions. And if you ask a question and you get your hand slapped, uh, I think you know you should know where you're at. Yeah, let, you let me let me bring this up. In one yeah. of those podcast episodes, they talked about this woman who was serving as an assistant to one of these pastors. And she was asked by another lady, well, how is it working for, you know, yeah. pastor? And, you know, she said, you know, it's very awesome. You know, she, she complimented him. And, it's, and then the other person asked, you know, what's the hard thing? And then she just said something like, well, he's kind of unpredictable. And like, we just have to be very careful with what we say. Somehow that comes back to that pastor, right? And they sit her down with all the elders and they accuse her of like, like um, ins- spiritual insubordination, yeah. division, rebellion, and they literally just fire her on the spot. Oh, like they don't even like they accuse her of gossiping, which is you know it's like yeah. all these things from a conversation. And so, a lot of urban youth workers yeah. who do work in ministries in the church probably are not the shot callers. Right, right. I mean, I've we've heard hundreds of stories that are just like blow my mind. And so how do we navigate that? Do we abandon ship? Because there are people oh. in the ship that we're trying to like reach, you know, and we're called to. Yeah. But again, you're saying like, hey, if we stay or if we don't say something, we don't protest, we're feeding the beast. We're letting that pastor and leadership know, hey, what you're doing is okay because I can tolerate it. Yeah, no. And, and I do, let me go back real quick. I, I do want to make sure I'm understood when I say this. When I say we're complicit, I, I am talking about like, Oh, you know, the church at large, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you're a victim of spiritual abuse and things, I'm not, I'm not blaming. Oh the yeah, victim. for sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I did, that hit me and I go, I want to make sure everybody that's listening yeah, hears me on that. That's, that's not your fault. That's not your fault. fault. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm not blaming you. I'm saying the kind of the movement in general, like we help build these things, you know what I mean? So, but if you're a victim, I, that, I'm not talking about you. Um, But yeah, man. So it, I think in all this, like, what are you supposed to do? And it goes back to what we talked about a couple of episodes ago where we're really saying like it's that that walking discipleship where we talked about, remember we talked about the scripture, the Holy Spirit wisdom, and then making those decisions within the church, you know, uh, uh, inviting other people, part of the, the body of Christ into that. You have to make those decisions because I do think some people are called to fight for it. Like, hey, you got to try to change the culture and protect the people that are there. And for others, I've talked to them and, and I'm like, you should get out. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then and then for others, what we're hoping to do at UYWI is that we're hoping to create a new leadership for a new world. So for you young leaders out there that are listening, we want to help you actually build things differently, lead things differently, change the way the institution's built. Because that's my, I'm, I'm in it for system change. Mm. I am not here to toe the status quo because I could care less about that. Yeah. Like, wh- why would I want to, you know, if you have all these pastors that are following and all these crazy stories, I'm like, uh, if the system's built like this, that's what it's going to produce. And then we're all like amazed that this is what happened at Hillsong. Dude, I saw smoke a long time ago. A long you know time what I'm saying? Ago. Yeah. We might get into a future episode on that. But anyway, yeah, man. So I mean, this last question, I just I just don't want to leave because you gave us a lot of good stuff. And I think for those of us that are there, when it comes to just engaging with scripture, because we don't want to stay at the level, at a superficial entry yeah. level type of discipleship. What is the first step in 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 self-development, I guess, in that sense for spirituality? Well, I mean, first, if I'm really honest, I don't think people read it. Like, I really don't think people read scripture. So read your Bible, guys. I mean, there's that. And that's kind of like the, you know, okay, dude, old school. But look, there are so many resources. Be curious. And I think for a lot of you that are listening out there, if you're not sure Jesus is the way, I want to say that's okay. But I would I would challenge you, then figure it out. Go yeah, read. Go watch things. I, I Now, when I say watch things, you can go down a rabbit hole on YouTube and come yeah. out going, Oh, it's all aliens. You know what I mean? Like, you know, go to sources, like, but read, ask questions, like be curious about it and actually decide, are you with this or not? So ask all your questions. Like, do you believe in this or not? Because I think once I'm there, because I've been there for a long time and guys, I studied Buddhism. I studied Hinduism. I studied all these other religions because I thought, is, do I believe this is the the right one? Do I think this is the the real one? Do I think this is the truth? I came to that conclusion because I asked the questions and I went through the fire to figure it out. And yeah. I would encourage people to go do that. Thank you so much, yeah, man. Tommy, for encouraging every single one of us to just read the Bible and give its power to that. And I would encourage every single one of you also to just further the conversation with those around you and just start to evaluate. Maybe you're in a culture where power dynamics are twisted or maybe you are also guilty of leading something like that. Mm. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode. If you liked today's episode, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to check out The Radical Middle Show on YouTube at UIWI.